What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined with a uh, enthralled, very eager to do this podcast at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hello, sir. So you usually say that I'm not fired up to do these Thursday night podcasts. but Oh, you're fired up to, to do it, to get it over with. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not true. I, I love you, Smith, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it was a game. Uh, the Eagles came out a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say they were flat. I mean, the Texans gave them a little bit of uh, a, a good punch, a good little uppercut. Uh, Pierce being a big part of that uppercut. And uh, if you haven't seen the Texans rookie running back, let me tell you something. He is a good player. What do you have about a buck 40 tonight? Sure. <laughs> All right. I like it when tailbacks wear 31, by the way. He, he uh, played really, really well. He did. He did. Uh, Philadelphia ended up uh, winning tonight, 29 to 17. If you miss the game or you're watching the World Series, which ironically, game five is Philadelphia in Houston, although that game is in, uh, is in Philadelphia. This was in Houston. Uh, another Amazon Prime game. We can not talk about that. Uh, but but I have warned you repeatedly about the big spread. And I warned you again tonight. What do you I mean, we both took the Eagles. We both took the Eagles to win this game. We said to win, but yeah. but covering is the issue on these big big spreads. Almost was a, it was twelve, and the uh, the final sp- spread or the final spread was like thirteen and a half. Fourteen, I th- oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, hey, it'd be thirteen and a half, fourteen, but it's close. Um, honestly, I we don't had- feel like there, I don't feel like there's any big takeaways for the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles played all that well. They let the Texans hang around, and then they kind of took care of business at the end. I, I don't think any game like this is going to tell you much about the Eagles, truthfully. Maybe not, but I'll tell you, just watching Jalen Hurts there in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, he's scary, man. These guys are scary good. Um, that floater he threw to Goddard, waiting for him to break open down the field, I think it was a blitz. I, I don't know if you know which play I'm talking about. Yep. It was a heck of a throw, man. He's making it look really easy. There's another play, escaped the pocket, ran for 10 yards, just ducked out of bounds at the end of the third quarter. It's He's making it look pretty easy when protection breaks down. And then when you've got Sanders running for 100 yards and you don't even notice on, like, what, 16 carries? Yeah, hit a couple of long ones. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about six and a half yards per. Goddard, pretty sure-handed, reliable tight end. Over 100 yards in this game. Then you've got A.J. Brown, who gives him a d- different dimension. His touchdown was a walk in the park. He's a big physical receiver. <clears throat> I consider him the igniter on this team, just like he was with the Titans. I, I, I haven't even gotten to Devontae Smith, who had an outstanding rookie year, been a little mm-hmm. more quiet this year. They haven't really needed him to be uh, you know, a 1,200-yard receiver this year. And then you have an offensive line when it's playing well. I mean – the Eagles didn't even play that well tonight, and they went on the road by 12. And they just have so many ways that they can beat you. They are a scary team. They can beat anybody. All right. Are we good talking about the Eagles? I mean, I feel like well, we're you want You want to talk about the Texans? Yes, I do, actually. I do. All right. Go ahead. Seriously. Go I ahead. mean. Let it all hang out. I, I, I think you nailed the Eagle part of this, right? Like, they didn't play well. They won by 12 on the road. The offense looked pretty good for the most part. They had a couple of hiccups, um, but they looked 
fine, right? Defense gave up a little bit of ground, uh, you know, running the ball. But my takeaway, honestly, from this game, Elliot, is I like a lot of the young talent for Houston. I like the position the franchise is in long term. They've got a bunch of draft picks coming. They've got a really good running back in Pierce. I think they've got a really good corner in Stingley. The offensive line's not all that bad, especially on the left side. They don't have a coach, though. And that's the, that's what makes me so skeptical about them long-term is if you're going to keep rolling out Lovey Smith, what are we doing here? Honestly, because I, I, you watch this game, and there, it's just so frustrating some of the things that he did. Perfect example, last possession of the game, right? You're down by 12. Your clock is the enemy at this point, right? There's only four minutes left. And you need as much time as possible in case you score to get a stop against the Eagles, who you really haven't stopped all night long. You need as, as much time as possible. Instead, what are they doing? They're running the ball. They're taking deep, deep drops so the Eagles' pass rushers can just have big arcs to the quarterback. Um, I, I think at one point they let the ball get to like the two-minute warning, basically, on the last drive. I mean, I... I would be furious if I'm a Texans fan right now about the the coach because he's just not going to be good enough to get it done. I'm not really going to argue with you. Uh, I will say I think Pep Hamilton, I think the Texans' hands are a little tied. Davis Mills made some throws tonight that were just atrocious. Horrendous. And I have been a Davis Mills uh, backer. I mean, that seam route, uh, that skinny post that he floated it straight to Bradbury. Boy, Bradbury's gotten a couple easy picks yeah. this year. Yeah. And all oh, the the interception. Um, the first oh one. Oh, my gosh. Who was it? Yeah. Who, who got that one? It was one? Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Gardner, yeah, Gardner-Johnson. Oh, my gosh. But what, what are you doing? I, you're, you're not wrong at all. The interceptions were horrific. And you know your offense is limited. That's why you don't give away possessions, though, when you have a chance to score. I know. In the first half, they had a fourth and like a yard from midfield, and they punted. And, of course, they punted the ball. It went to the back of the end zone, and it was literally two plays later the Eagles were already passed where the Texans punted the ball. It's like if you get chances to score with that bad offense, you've got to at least be a little bit risky. You're 1-5-1, and one, and you're the worst team in football. Why are you punting? Why? I, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it also makes things hard when your left guard and center are just getting whooped by Hargrave. Hargrave was awesome tonight. <laughs> awesome. It was. He was great. It, it was reminded down. me It reminded me of the game Fletcher Cox had against the Cowboys uh, Thanksgiving 2014, where he absolutely demolished Zach Martin and uh, Frederick. It, no. it was awesome. I. Watching Hargrave, I almost wish Fletcher Cox was a few years younger because if they had prime Fletcher Cox with Hargrave, they would be unbeatable. They literally yeah. would be unbeatable. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't get over how quickly off the line he moves that he's gotta be about three oh five. Yeah. Hargrave. It's it's unbelievable. Their their defensive line is absolutely ridiculous. It is, and they could afford to let uh Pierce run like that. Although, like like you said, and I've already said, he's an impressive rookie running back. Uh, he's definitely a piece, man. Definitely a piece to build off of. And it's a good another example of why running the ball is fantastic, but points still come out of the passing game. The Texans ran for 
168 yards in this game, uh, averaged over 5.3 yards per carry, and scored 17 points. You, uh, you've got to create big chunk plays in the passing game, and the Texans just couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, points come out of the passing game. There's no question about that. But, I mean, all you need is a quarterback to make some plays for you. You don't need a – when you're running the ball like that, you don't need a Pro Bowl quarterback. No, you. but you need to have four throws a game that are getting you yes, a significant absolutely. amount of yards, right? I mean, if you could have a quarterback – I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't need a quarterback throwing for 350. Give no. me a quarterback throwing for 225. Yes, but yes. getting you the big plays that you need and not turning the ball over. One turnover I can handle. If you're throwing down the field, I'm I'm good with an interception. But, but, but not those interceptions. And what you can't have is you can't have 135 net passing yards with two interceptions. No. 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 If you're going to have 135 net passing yards, you should have no giveaways and and the same running numbers or better. Yep. Um but with giveaways you can't do that. No, I'm totally with you. Not to mention if you're going to have 135 net passing yards and 140 rushing yards, your defense still needs to play really well. Their defense played decent at times tonight, but the Eagles still scored 29. And that's the point. Is they the, the Eagle and they got a turnover. That's the other thing is Houston got a turnover and they just let them walk up and down the field. I this is another thing that's so frustrating about Levy Smith's defense. He's playing a lot of cover 2 against one of the best run teams in the NFL against the mobile quarterback. It's basically bend and then break at the end. That's exactly what Houston's defense was doing is, hey, you're going to take – it's going to take you 15 plays to score, but you will score, so go ahead. Yeah. You know, I, I realize there's been a push kind of in recent years to say that wide receiver is really not that important. You don't need a number one, and, and it's more about the quarterback. But I, I don't know, man. A.J. Brown's a difference maker. He just is, Absolutely. period. And if you get the the right wide receiver – uh, that can play with different styles of quarterback and different styles of offense. That's a really special yes. player. Um, and we talked about this with the trade deadline with Brandon Cooks, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that he's that kind of guy. Uh, obviously Brandon Cooks uh, obviously wasn't a factor tonight because the Texans were out there playing with pretty much backup wide receivers. But yep. in the case of A.J. Brown, even if he's not having the huge game, I know Goddard was the primary guy. He's still a factor at all times, and he's still got a touchdown. Um, all right, we good to talk about this game. I think that we, I think we covered it. I, I think we are. You, um, I was uh, traveling today, and Marcus called me and told me that Ray Guy passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Guy, a Raiders punter for 14 years, uh, punted from 1973 to 1986. Uh, Ray Guy is extremely famous. Uh, for if you're a little bit older football fan, um, not only is he the first punter in the Hall of Fame, but he was a first round draft pick mm-hmm. in 1973 and if your first thought is well yeah i mean back then that was something they did no they didn't do that back then just like they don't do that now they, at the time that pick was like what in the world are the raiders doing um but they they made that pick and it worked out the guy made the pro bowl his first year he made the pro bowl the next five years after that he missed one year and then he made the pro bowl again uh, he was a punter on three Raiders Super Bowl teams, 76, 80, and 83. Uh, met him at the Hall of Fame. Very humble, cool guy. A very just Southern kind of dude. He was um, he was a heck of a player, and he made one of the best plays, Marcus, I've ever seen in the Super Bowl of a guy doing something that's not really like within their job description. The uh, The Super Bowl was either scoreless or it was 7 to nothing, 
and the center snapped the ball to Ray Guy, and it flew over his head, and he leaped up. One hand with one, one hand, yeah. left-handed, stabbed it out of the air and punted it away. That would have been an easy touchdown for Washington going the other way, who had, who had had great special teams that year. Washington did. That's one of the reasons they got to the Super Bowl. Anyway. Uh, I, actually, uh, I, stu- I actually stumbled on that picture today. Oh, did uh, you? Yeah, the Associated Press had it because I was writing an article for uh, the Raiders where, uh, for his passing, and um, – I saw that picture. It's like, holy cow, he got up there too. It wasn't yes. like he just kind of one-handed it on the ground. He got up. It was very impressive. And um, he was in his 11th year at that point too. This was not a 22-year-old kid. This was a 33-year-old punter in the Super Bowl when that's definitely going to be a touchdown Yep, <laughs> going the other way uh, against a better team. By the way, uh, Raiders were underdogs in that game. It's a huge play in Super Bowl history. From 1979 to 1986, he had 619 straight punts without one being blocked. Yeah, got the ball off, two-step. Um, you know, some punters back then had had longer setups, and uh, he didn't. Uh, he had great hang time. The, the only real complaint about Ray Guy as a punter was that sometimes he just boomed him. Yeah. And he wasn't always the coffin corner punter. Uh, there was a guy named Dave Jennings. He punted for the Giants and the Jets. I think he may still have the record for most punts ever. Um, Dave Jennings was a coffin corner punt. If you're more of a uh, a younger football fan, Jeff Eagles yep. would be kind of like the, the, the Dave Jennings. Those guys, I mean, Jeff Eagles could put English on the ball, have it bounce at the two, and then literally like dribble out at the three. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray guy was not really that guy, but he had the hang time. Let his and that, I was gonna say that's that's what he was known for was. And if you go look at like Pro Football Reference, you might be a little shocked to see like his averages, like average yards per punt compared to like punters today that are averaging 48, 49 yards per punt. But what made Guy special um, was that he was really the first guy to make like hang time cool, right? Like if you could get the ball up in the air for four and a half seconds and make guys either fair catch or get just drilled when they're catching the ball. Sometimes that's more important than having a 48 yard kick because the net is going to end up making it better. He didn't outkick his coverage very often. Yeah. And, and a couple of things about that. Number one, these guys were wearing totally different gear, totally different shoes. They didn't have K balls in 1973. It's a lot easier to punt in today's game. Second of all, Ray guy wasn't on deck of bloateroids. Okay, so a lot of the punters, I'm not going to name one punter who punted against the Cowboys in the 03 playoffs that anyway, uh, still makes me mad to this day. Uh, But anyway, um, the guys in the 70s and the early 80s weren't lifting. And with punters, you might say, what difference does that make? Take a look at some punters, lower bodies. Well, look at them now. Those guys are all jacked. They're all jacked. Ray Guy was skinny. Uh, yeah. This was all natural. So if Ray Guy could do this natural, imagine what Ray Guy could do with today's training methods. Um, just one note. I know you're a big draft guy, man, on taking a punter in the first round. The punting game is not as important now as it used to be. But football was such a game of field position that I think it was a smart move. And the Raiders had lost in 72 on the Immaculate Re- Reception play against Pittsburgh. This was a team that was ready now. They had good running backs. They had good quarter. They had two good quarterbacks. They had Daryl LaMonica and Ken Stabler, who's in the Hall of Fame. They had the best offensive line in the history of the league. They had two Hall of Fame wide receivers in Cliff Branch, Fred Blitnikoff, and they were about to draft a Hall of Fame tight end in Dave Casper. Excuse me. They also had a fantastic defense. What they needed was a good kicker and a good punter. 
and they drafted uh they had George Blanda who was like 48 years old but they had they drafted Ray Guy because that filled a need and it was smart man like i said they won three super bowls with him so he was actually not the only punter ever to be drafted in the first round do you know who the other one is Ooh, that's a good question um no he wasn't first round first round punter first round punter there's only oh. ever been two, Ray Guy in 1973 and this other player in 1979. Oh, this is a different deal because this guy could do multiple things. Yes. It's Russell Erksleben who played for the New Orleans Saints and was, uh, I think, on the University of Texas team with Earl Campbell, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Russell Erksleben Erks- could play positions and kick as well. And believe it or not, they used to have kicker punters in the seventies mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about like the punter coming and kicking off. I'm talking about the punter was also the kicker. Yes. Uh, yes. Now the coolest team starting quarterback was their punter. I won't say what team that was, but uh, uh, yeah, the guy wore Micah Parsons number uh, or Micah Parsons. Wore uh, his number. Uh, <laughs> or not Randall. Do you know Although Randall the, could punt? Yeah. Do you know who the highest drafted punter is since 2000? It's probably second round. It's not second round, third round. Third round? But it's close to the second round. Wow. Um, no, I don't think he was drafted high. He should have been, but he wasn't. Um, the guy I was thinking of. Um, I don't know. I'm not gonna spend all day get trying to guess. I Brian I Anger by the Jacksonville really? Jaguars. Yeah. Yeah. In 2012. He was, he was the seventieth yeah, overall good. pick. He was pretty good with the Jags. Uh had a nice season with the Cowboys last year. Uh this year struggling a little bit. Yeah, struggling. But so, um so this we we were talking about Ray Guy, and this led uh, Elliot and I to have a conversation about specialists. And you know, Elliot, that I am a huge fan of special teams. And because I am a massive nerd, I keep these like little Excel spreadsheets of like my top right quarterbacks and running backs. And of course, I've got my top ten specialists of all time. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to share it with you today. You actually well, don't know. Yeah, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on each guy. We'll spend. 30 seconds to a minute on each one. Um, just want to be clear. I covered all special uh, positions, right? Not just kickers and punters. Um, some of these guys, I try to stay away from like the guys that did both, like Dion, who played corner and was a returner, or um, I don't know, give me another player that did both. Dez, right? Dez was a yeah. pu- really good punt returner. Basically guys that were known for the Tyreek Hill. Games. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was an all pro as a was a kick and punt returner earlier. Tyler on. Lockett was a great returner, yep. man. Tony Brown, another one, really good one, right? Julian Edelman. So these are my top ten specialists of all time. Are you ready? I, I'm ready. Now I don't, you know, obviously I don't know who these guys are, so I'm just gonna freelance it here. I'm not looking anything up. At number ten, LP Latasur, long snapper for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh boy. Two hundred and fifty-three career games, zero bad snaps, and one penalty that the NFL later admitted that they were wrong on. They called a snap infraction on him uh, in two thousand eighteen, which was a bogus penalty. Uh, basically, had a perfect career as a long snapper. I think eighteen seasons. I have to admit that is really impressive, and that franchise has been very lucky because before him they had a guy named Dale Hellestray, who was a long time deep snapper. Yeah. And, and a very good one. Trey Junkin is another guy. Mm-hmm. Trey Junkin had an amazing career. Unfortunately, at like 40 or 41, 
He got called out of retirement and he was the snapper in that Giants 49ers playoff game. You remember yep. where yep. they they had the bad snap. They tried to throw the ball down the field and the lineman basically got tackled. 49ers yep. won the game. Um, but I, I, I like I'm shocked at that, but I understand it. I understand your logic and that most, therefore I approve. Most games ever by a long snapper, by the way. He won't get in the Hall of Fame, but I think I think he is the best long snapper ever. Uh kind of staying with that same thing. Best holder in NFL history, like on field goals, right? Not a position that gets talked about a lot. Now I oh I I I did change my rules up a little bit because this player played another position besides just holder. Okay. Nolan Cromwell. Do you like this call? I mean, yeah. Los Angeles Rams safety played, uh, I think 11 years in the league, 77 to 87. Is that somewhere around multiple time? All pro uh, selection as a safety. Yeah. Yep. As a safety, Uh, three career rushing touchdowns on fakes. He was mm-hmm. so good at fakes or, you know, he could just, he had a lot of speed, obviously being a defensive back also had six career blocks. Um, he also even cool enough, 1980, he made an emergency extra point after their kicker got hurt. So best holder great, of all time. Great athlete. If I'm not mistaken, he was like Olympic decathlete or Olympic mm-hmm. level decathlete. Um, so a little note on uh, Cromwell in, in, in the 1970s, it was very normal for coaches to put their best hands guy and reliable player as their holder. And Nolan Cromwell was that for the Rams. The Cowboys also used their starting safety as their holder, Charlie Waters. And it wasn't until really the 80s that teams started always going with their backup quarterback. Some teams went with their starting quarterback who had held as a backup and then stayed holding as a starter. That finally stopped when a former backup quarterback on the Cowboys became their starter and dropped a snap in a playoff game. Yeah. But uh, we won't talk all right. about that. Next one. So you go with me including Cromwell on that? No, I love this. I, I, I'm stunned with your – usually your your spreadsheets warrant a lot of disagreement. Not I, I like this so far. Keep going. Uh, number eight, I think this is the third best kicker in NFL history, Morton Anderson. Um, now, I don't know how Anderson would compare it to – kickers in today's NFL that really had to specialize in making long field goals. Although he did have the longest field goal uh, making three different seasons. Uh, He had a couple 58 yarders, a 60 yarder. He also was a two time all decade team selection, which is pretty cool, right? 1980 and 1990. One of the things I loved the most about Morton Anderson is when you were under 42 yards he was almost automatic 93 percent make uh rate under 42 yards in his career i think he's still is he still the all-time point leader or did brett Favre? Pass? i thought gary anderson uh passed him as the point leader okay. um but you have morton anderson's numbers pulled up there uh i can grab them i actually don't have them oh are you well you were looking at something wasn't I, he a rookie? I made some notes i made some notes of the podcast <laughs> Wasn't he a rookie? Can you look in 82 for the yes, Saints? Yes, 1982. Yes. Yeah. So I went to that Cowboy game as a little, little kid. That's my first NFL game as a little kid. Uh, the 82 Saints at Cowboys. See, so I can say I saw Morton Anderson's, uh, some of his first field goals, although I had no idea what I was observing, but I just know for a fact that was my first NFL game. Yeah. How about that? Um, I, wasn't the most accurate kicker beyond 50 yards, but you got to remember in the 
in the totally different eighties and nineties. They weren't kicking a lot of long. No K balls, bro. No, these were these were dirty old footballs that had been used all game. Yeah, uh, different playing surface. Also, you're not kicking off field turf. You always have to remember the plant foot. Yes. Uh, all right. Next one, and I'm just gonna let you go to town on this one. Steve Tasker at number six. Yeah, so Steve Tasker came up as a wide receiver for the Houston Oilers, really didn't have much of a chance. Went to Buffalo, and with Buffalo, he became the best special teams player in the league, whether it was covering kicks, covering punts. He was an absolute master. The Cowboys were determined not to let him beat them in their first Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty seven. He busted right through, blocked Mike Saxon's punt, and I think the game was 14-7. to So when a player can show up in the biggest game, when a great team is determined not to let that player beat them and he still beats them. Yep. That tells you how great he is. And then I also heard from several guys, I think I talked to Andre Reed about this, that dude could play wide receiver. Like mm-hmm. he was great. He would kill guys in practice. He just didn't get a lot of chances. I think there was finally one year, it was either 95 or 96. The bills really needed him to play wide receiver and he did really well. Um, his last game though, 97, I think it was against Green Bay. I would need to look this up. He got thrown out of the game for for unsportsmanlike conduct. So weird. The end of your Hall of Fame career, I'm almost positive uh, it was at Lambeau and he got thrown out of the game. Um, there you go. Uh, all right, that's number six. Got number five, I've got Matthew Slater. Um, Bill Belichick calls him the best gunner in NFL history. He said that teams had to changed the way that they did, they did punt coverage because of uh, Matthew Slater. Um, when you're a pro bowler for how many straight years, even though I think in the last couple of years he's been a tad overrated, overrated, still the best gunner I've ever seen. I think it would be interesting to talk to Matthew Slater about, or what I would like to know is about economy of movement. How are you getting down there before everybody else is if you're still not the fastest? Yep. Sure, there's got to be some a lot of film study. You know which guys are going to be blocking you. You know what teams like to do on special teams. And how much time are most guys spending on special teams? I mean, Marcus, we talk about it all the time. you got a lot of first- and second-year players yep. that are playing there. But still, when you're not the fastest anymore, you don't have wasted movement. How can I beat this person as quickly as possible and get down there? Uh, I, I love that pick because it's modern, but it's legit. Next one, um, Adam Vinatieri. I have him at number four. Um, I mean, the resume is just absolutely ridiculous. 24 years in the league, made multiple game-winning kicks in the Super Bowl. But you know what's crazy? I think people would be shocked to know that he played four more years in Indianapolis than he played in New England. He played 14 seasons in Indianapolis. His make rate was actually four percentage points higher with the mm-hmm. Colts. And he mm-hmm. made a lot of big kicks for the Colts. The end of the career got a little rough as he was like 47 years old. Yeah, that last time. year. Yeah, but, sure. But he was, I mean, for several years, still the best kicker in the NFL. And I think he should be a lock to be a Hall of Famer. I, I do too. I mean, I, I could tell you that I've talked to Hall of Fame voters and I think he is, I think he's a lock to make the Hall of Fame. Um, I'll just say some of those kicks you mentioned for the Colts were regular season, but that doesn't mean they weren't big kicks. No, and, exactly. and he was probably, I would say his prime years with Indy, he was probably a little bit better kicker than he was with New England overall. But when you hit one 45 yards in a driving snowstorm, 
to beat a team in the playoffs. That's a big deal. He hit the uh, game winner in the Super Bowl. He hit two game winning uh, kicks yep. in the Super Bowl because he came back against Carolina and drilled one. So uh, no argument there. I mean, come on. I, I mean, he's absolutely incredible. Just just to show you how good he was from 2014 to 2015. He made 55 of 58 field goals and made every single extra point. Would you say he was a Stella Artois? Yeah, I would say of so. kickers. Yeah, just trying to get uh, us a sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, next one, seamlessly working in. Yeah, go ahead. Number three, Devin Hester. We're now, already at three. We're at three already. Um, I wouldn't say Devin Hester is the best kick returner of all time. I think that honor belongs to Cordero Patterson. I wouldn't say he's the best. Why are you going to give away your list before you get? You need to learn about teeing things. We're at up. three. Remember, we're at three right now. I wouldn't say he's the best kick returner of all time. I wouldn't say he's the best punt returner of all time, but he's the best combination of both of those guys in, in, in both positions in the NFL. 20 career return touchdowns. Teams had to change the way that they did kickoffs and punts because of Devin Hester. They were so afraid to kick it to him. He swung games. Uh, the, the the game against the Cardinals, I'll, I'll, I'll always remember the, the Denny Green. We let him off the hook game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. For my money, the best returner of all time. Hey, how about the Super Bowl, man? Absolutely. Boom. Uh, touchdown, just like that. Uh, I have no problem with this. You know, he could play a little bit of receiver as well. He did with Atlanta. Um, I hate that you gave away one of your top two guys. I didn't. Number two, Ray Guy, who we just got done talking about it. Seven-time Pro Bowl selection, led the NFL in punting average three different times. His hang time was unreal, as we mentioned. That's number two. At number one, Woodrow – no, it's not Woodrow Dancer. Uh, it is Justin Tucker. <laughs> I think Justin Tucker is the best special teams player of all time. I, I've never seen a weapon like him before. I've never seen somebody be that reliable, that clutch at the end of the games. And, oh, by the way, he has the longest field goal make in NFL history. Yeah, it's hard to argue with him. He's a true weapon. I've I've told you on this podcast, I, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, I don't really believe in first ballot as a separate classification. It depends on what year you come up and those kinds of things. But I would say in a vacuum, you know, if there's not something crazy going on in a year, could I see Justin Tucker? Would I vote for Justin Tucker in a normal year where we don't have a log jam? I totally would as a, as a first ballot guy. Um I'm a little surprised. Given can I, can that... I just give you some stats really quickly on Justin Tucker before we move on? Yes. Okay. Uh, since twenty or so, all right, since 2016, you want to guess how many misses he has? Total. Total. Okay, so we're talking oh, about oh. seven. He he's kicked 228 field goals. How many misses do you think he has? I'm gonna go with. Uh... Uh, 19, eight, eight misses. And seven of them are beyond 50. Oh gosh. Doesn't he have some ridiculous fourth quarter streak? It's, um, it's unbelievable. He, he's, he is such a weapon that it's crazy, but that's, that's the top of 10. I'll go over it one more time. Justin Tucker at number one, Ray guy at number two, Devin Hester at three, Adam Vinatieri at four, Matthew Slater at five, Steve Tasker at six, Shane Leckler at seven, Morton Anderson at eight, Nolan Cromwell at nine, and LP Latasur at 10. All right. How in the world is one of your favorite players of the modern era 
not on here and Cordero Patterson. Yeah, he I, would be, I can't understand that. He would be he would probably be number eleven because I do think he's the best pure kick returner of all time. The hard part is he never had never had done punts in his career. Um and the Falcons have actually taken him off kick return a little bit over the last couple of years. But I mean, no argument in my mind, the best kick returner ever. Um by the way, Justin Tucker has made 61 consecutive fourth quarter or overtime field goals. That right there is that's, Hall of that's, Fame that's worthy. Right there. That's that's, that's insane. Uh yeah, you really sold me on Cordero Patterson because his his kick return average is just so far and away better than everybody else. And then the fact that he's been able to in his late latter part of the career, this is like his tenth year in the league, uh, be a running back. I know he's been banged up, but uh, that would be one guy for sure. Uh, I'm just going to throw out a couple of guys here. Ted Hendricks was an ultimate kick blocker, as was uh, Matt Blair, linebacker for the Vikings. Um, but I got to tell you about one guy that was insane. Also, I should mention Albert Shelley was a great cover guy in the uh, punt coverage, kick coverage guy in the 90s. Mel Gray was a great kick returner for the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. a couple other teams in the 90s. I remember Mike Holmgren was so relieved when Mel Gray signed with the Oilers in free agency. And he was like, gosh, I'm so glad that guy's out of our division. Um, But the one guy that never gets mentioned, never gets mentioned. First of all, it's a great corner. This guy played 17 years in the league. He looked like a praying mantis. His name was Albert Lewis. Played for the Kansas City Chiefs and he played for the Raiders. Albert Lewis blocked 11 kicks in his career, including 10 punts. 10 punts. It is so hard to block a punt, much Mm -hmm. less to block 10 of them. Albert Lewis would not leave his feet. He would run and block the punt on a dead run because he did it all by timing and acceleration. And he was a four, I think he was a four, three, eight guy, Marcus, with super, super long arms, like Julian Peterson arms. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he got there so fast. I watched this game got there so fast he literally tackled the bucks punter he just got there and he's like there's no point in me actually trying to yeah so i'm just going to tackle him 1986 uh rick gosson told me this story rick gosson was covering uh, covered uh wrote for the dallas morning news for years was covering the kansas city chiefs and the chiefs had scored so many points on special teams that year and the jet special teams coach they're about to play in the wild card says I don't care what happens in this game. I can tell you one thing that's not going to happen is Albert Lewis is not going to block a punt in this game. And sure enough, Albert Lewis blocked a punt. The ball bounced right in his hands, and he just strolled in the end zone, just like that. And you froze again. That's right. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> any, can I mention a couple other players just really quickly? No, not until I say one more thing on Albert Good. Lewis, and then I'll shut up. Good. 1990, Albert Lewis blocked a punt in three consecutive games. I guarantee you, you will never see one player block a punt. Remember when people freaked out about Taysom Hill blocking a punt? This is a lockdown, shutdown corner. Anyway, dude should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm done. Uh, Josh Cribbs, uh, one of the best returners ever. Oh, Dante yeah. Hall, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Who had a better peak than Dante Hall? Just peak. Anybody? I guess Tucker. No. I guess Justin Tucker. Yeah, I, Dante Hall was really fun for a while, though, right? Oh, my gosh. That was at 03, man. Uh, we did a video the on hu- that for YouTube. That's a fun video. Super the human fun. highlight reel, is that what his nickname was? Yeah, Eric Metcalf, 
Super yep. fun. Uh, Got to mention Brian Mitchell, man. Brian Mitchell was so good. Uh, all-time leader in return yards. And um, also could play emergency quarterback. Uh, who else are we missing? Missing anybody? I mean, I Alan, could name some really old school guys. but Alan Page. Alan Page, kick blocker. Listen, I know I know you dug up the Hall of Fame numbers on his kick blocks. I don't know if I believe those. Because wh- how much was it? It was a ridiculous number. Uh, like I think 20. they had 27. Oh, my gosh. Um, just a couple of random names you may never heard of. A guy named Mike Fuller for the Chargers, a safety in the 70s and 80s, had over 3,000 career punt return yards. I mean, how many punt return yards does like the league leader have these days? Not a lot. Not 250. A lot. Uh, Rick Upchurch once returned four punts in one season back. Uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson made the all-time 100 team. Some people had a problem with that, but he was he was absolutely phenomenal. I'm naming all returners here. Uh, pretty much Shane Leckler. We didn't even mention. No, he was Shane on my Le- list. Oh, wait. Did Le- oh, he was. He was number uh, f- what? Five. I screwed that up. Didn't yeah, I? he was on there. Don't worry. I, I didn't forget I, him. I, oh, OK. I'll, I will name one. Uh, we've talked about it a long time ago on our podcast, but Sammy Ball averaged 51 yards a punt in like 1943. And uh, granted, some of those were like pooch kicks on third down where the ball rolled. But still. Uh, if you can punt at 51 yards a punt, why not punt it on third down? Gosh, knows the Texans should try it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Alan Rossum. Awesome. Alan Rossum. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Number 20. Falcons. Uh, Desmond Howard actually had a, I mean, it, it, uh, some Super people Bowl, think of bro. him a little bit of as a bust, but still an awesome return. Super Bowl MVP, bro. Come on Troy against Brown, the Patriots. One of my favorite players. Oh, ever. Troy Brown. Now, see, now you're getting like really near my heart. And I just can't have that. I might cry. I like Troy Brown so much. Leon Washington. Patriot all time. Oh, Leon Washington was amazing. What about uh, Chad Morton? Didn't he have two Mm -hmm. against the Bills in one game? Yeah. uh, And one of them won the game. Uh, Also, Dave Meggett was also somebody that I had on the list. Oh, heck yeah. Is there any game that you can remember just for like a guy's special teams effort? Yes. uh, Josh Cribbs had a game against the Steelers. Um, where it was when the Browns offense was just really, really struggling. Which was and, like almost every year. And I, he had a kick return for a touchdown. He had a punt return that almost went for a touchdown. He had an awesome special teams tackle. And I remember leaving that game thinking, is that, is that, the, is that the best player in the field? I got the numbers here. Four, <laughs> four kick returns for 204 yards, a touchdown, four punt returns for 119 yards. I love um, – so it's so ironic that you say that because Josh Cribbs – what year was that game? Um, you know, one second. I'll pull it up. Oh, it's on your it's on your spreadsheet. You know, you yeah. can't have everything on it. There's uh, only so much. Be... 2007. Okay. It's really ironic because my preseason – or preseason, sorry. Special teams game by one guy that I will always remember is Eric Metcalf of the Browns against the Steelers. 1993 returns a punt in the third quarter. Uh, so I think this was Chris Collinsworth, like one of his first years as a color analyst. Uh, then fourth quarter returns a punt to win the game. My brother and I are in his cruddy apartment where he's got his TV stacked up on books because in a in like a crate because mm-hmm. he couldn't afford a. All my brother ever had in his fridge was tortillas, hot sauce peanut butter and bread and he lived in the worst apartment complex like where if you like threw your mattress out and put it in the alley you didn't want to see what was going on on that mattress 
yeah. later that night. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we watched in that cockroach infested apartment on a terrible couch with a TV on crates and books. Eric Metcalf single-handedly beat the Steelers. Anyway, there you I go. wish I could have been there. No, you don't. You know how much I love watching a Steeler loss. So, hey, I did something that you is near and dear to your heart this week. I went to a baseball card store, and it was so much fun. I looked at football cards. I bought my mom a couple of baseball cards. So, for a card pull, I'm going to show you the two cards I bought. Okay. So the the uh, first one. You may not be as interested in this one, but this is Wilbert Montgomery. I bought it for a big time listener of our show, Sudsy Sudell. I don't know how well you can see that. Those jerseys are so clean. This is an 82 tops Wilbert Montgomery. What do you think? Is this card bland or do you like it? I like it. Just to be, just to be clear, this is Wilbert Montgomery and not, uh, who's the guys of the diabetes commercials? (laughs) Wilbert Brimley. (laughs) Just to be clear. Yeah, so this was the first year that Tops could actually show the helmet logos. They used to have to paint over the logos because they didn't have the marketing rights. And I just want to read this to you, Mr. Running Backs Don't Matter. Wilbur Montgomery in 1981, that's the back of the card here, 1,402 yards rushing on 4.9 yards of carry, and he caught 49 balls, averaging over 10 yards a catch. How about that? No? Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, what was the size? Uh, let's see do they, here. Do we have a five ten, five ten, one ninety five. Yeah. If he was What's in Abilene today, Christian. If he was in the, the NFL today, he'd still be playing behind Ezekiel Elliott because he tires quickly. <laughs> hey, number thirty one, by the way. I love that running back number. That's a good number. Uh good that's Pierce's. Who's number, the last Priest. good running back to wear thirty one? Is it David Johnson? Yeah, well, Priest Holmes, but I mean, yes, David Johnson was good, but Priest okay. Holmes. All right. Okay. okay. My other, my second card, I bought this for me. I, I bought Sudsy a card. I bought my mom cards, and I had to get a card for me. I only wanted one card. I went in there looking for this. This is a 1966 Philadelphia Don Meredith card, and I have to read you the stats because yeah. this is so – I thought of you instantly, Okay. It said Don ranked eighth in NFL in passing in 1965. They based it on completion percentage back then. He completed 141 out of 305 passes at (laughs) 46.2%, tossing 22 touchdown passes. His passing gained 2,415 yards. I think he was hurt a little bit that year. An average of 7.92 yards per toss. Okay. 7.92, 7.92, really good yards per That's attempt, really right? good, yeah. Do you know how hard it is to average eight yards a throw when you're only completing 46% of your passes? What that means is you either have the best receivers in the world after the catch or you are chucking the ball down the field. And he was chucking it down the field. Uh, 22 to 13 TDINT ratio, which bad. was actually really, really good yeah. back then. Um he didn't make the Pro Bowl this year, but he did the next three years, 66, 67, 68. And then he retired unexpectedly at 30 years old and went into the Monday Night Football booth. But I thought that was funny. Eight yards attempt, completing 46% of your passes. Now that's some efficiency right there. That's a lot yes. of fun, right? Oh, no, man. That's a good card pull. Okay. Well, by the way, do you do you like the old cards look? I know it's hard I to like, see. I like the way that they're like um, they're like posing for a picture. I like that. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, this was, by the way, the Cowboys rode blue in the 60s, which was a really sweet look. But uh, the Eagles' Kelly Green, I think, is one of the best looks ever. Yeah. Um, I've got one thing for us that are closing thoughts, and we'll get out of here. Um, okay. So we we pull football cards every once in a while. Well, my friend that dropped off all these football cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was actually his aunt that collected all these cards, right? And I hadn't seen this friend in a while, and I told him okay. what we've been doing with these cards, that we've been pulling them and reading them on the show. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I got out the, the 1975 set that we've been pulling with the guys oh, on their auto mechanics, and they would be working at your tractor supply. And I just pulled a card, and I said, oh, yeah, my uh, co-host, Elliot, he'd be able to, to tell you all about it and know the stats. And He's like, how does he know all that stuff? Like, you, he would really know who these players are and what they did and who they played for. I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, oh, he's got to be a huge nerd. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Thanks, man. So he's like, does he like live in his mom's basement? And I said, nah, but he's going to be recording from his mom's house tonight. It's be fine. <laughs> Thanks, man. Really, really. So I'm breaking that. you up. There you go. Nobody yeah. else in the world knows football cards like you do. So, oh boy, hey, I just got to say it was. Uh, it's really fun going to a card store. There aren't very many places left where you can like go and try to complete an old set. You know, like where you've bought a wax box or whatever, and you know you bought all your panini and you open all the packs and you're 32 cards short of a complete set, and you can go somewhere. And they have all those players in numerical order, and you can just pick out the ones that you mm-hmm. need. Very Absolutely. few card stores do that. Um, it was it was dope, man. Everything yeah. about it was dope. So you know what's not uh, dope? Watching Lovey Smith coach. <laughs> Why don't you go and watch a movie? Make yourself feel better. Yeah. Well, it's late there. Maybe 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 late. not, but. But maybe tomorrow, you know, watch something that you haven't watched in a while. You know, I'm watch Halloween H two O. It's got to be more relaxing <laughs> than watching Lovey Smith call cover two again on third and one. I remember a very specific scene in that movie where Josh Hartnett's running around the school, and his mom comes up to kind of like save him, and the door closes, and she turns around and looks through the window of the door, and Michael Myers is right there, his mask. No, yeah. didn't that happen in that movie? Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, so thank you for spoiling it for me. But LL Cool J plays yeah. the security guard of the school in yeah. that movie. Yeah, this is that's like the second highest rated Halloween movie on IMDb. No way. Yeah. Wow. Where's Jason in space rank? Yeah. I'm Sorry. Not <laughs> All right. I think I think with that, can we go? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, that's our podcast for tonight. I think Love so Smith we- wants to go as well. The way he coached tonight. So, if you miss the Thursday night game, uh, Eagles are still undefeated. The Texans are still the Texans, although they made it interesting in spite of their head coach, according to one Marcus Mosher. If you want more takes like that, uh, listen to Locked On Cowboys, where he'll probably dog on Lovey Smith for no reason because the Cowboys aren't playing the Texans for a while, I don't think. Uh, you probably know. I, I haven't yeah, like three weeks. Game. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope Lovey's anyway. still there. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. Catch his work on the Raiders on USA Today. And I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We hope you enjoy your football weekend. We appreciate you guys very much. Take care. Broncos country. Let's ride.